with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Be there in just a minute. Good to see you, Jim. Feeling good, buddy? Healing up good? Healing up good and cancer-free. Praise God. Praise God. How many of us have New Year's resolutions? Most of us are leaving our hands down because we don't want anybody to hold us accountable. Amen? Don't hold me accountable because I ain't doing it. I want to. I really want to, but I probably won't. I, um, of course, once again, I put all the weight back on. I lost the first six months of last year. And uh, so now it's a he must increase, I must decrease thing all over again. And I told, I told our early service, Michelle Daniels was here, and I said, man, that woman, I am proud of that girl. I, I don't know where she's at right now, but I know that last year she lost 100 pounds, man. That, that don't just fall off, you know what I'm saying? That requires some work and some commitment, man. I'm really proud of her. It's a lifestyle for that girl. It's no longer a New Year's resolution, amen? I would like to get there. Unfortunately, um, most of us make New Year's resolutions, and um, about uh, 47% of all New Year's resolutions that are made are self-improvement or education-related resolutions. 38% are weight-related resolutions. Can I get an amen? 34% money-related resolutions. And 31% are relationship-related resolutions. This is all the resolutions that are made. uh, Percent of people in their 20s who achieve their resolution each year, 39%. So if you're in your 20s, about 39% of you will actually achieve your resolution. Percent of people over 50 who achieve their resolution each year. Anybody want to guess on a percentage? 14%. (laughs) You know what that says, don't you? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's what it is. And I'm inching ever closer to that 50 mark. The big 4-0 this year. Anyway, I know this much about roller coasters. The downhill, and they say you're over the hill, the downhill part's always the best. Amen? Resolution maintained through the first week. 75%. 25% of us won't even make it seven days. You can't even make it seven days. I told Bob Alice in the first service, I said, you know, I said, my New Year's resolution? He said, what? I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the point quicker and preach shorter. I said, I'll probably be out of it by next week. But anyway, <laughs> past two weeks. How many make it past two weeks? 71%. So only 4% drop off. How many make it past one month? 64%. How many make it past six months? 46%. Less than half. Isn't that sad? Will you do me a favor? When you make a resolution to grow in Christ this year, how about let's go all out and do it all the way? Amen? Amen? When we say, let's, I'm going to draw closer to Christ this year, I'm going to make it a more of a habit of reading my Bible, I'm going to be more prayerful, I'm going to make a goal of doing family devotions more often, I'm going to do this, whatever. Whatever it is in relation to serving Christ, let's go all out. Are you with me? All right. This resolution of becoming deeper in Christ or pursuing Christ, it's something that is in my heart regularly. It seems like I find myself in seasons where, you know, I'm I'm under the spout where the glory comes out, you know, and then there's other seasons where I'm like, Lord, where are you? And, And all the while, folks, I want to grow closer to Christ. That's who we are here. 
This, you, if you are looking for a church today, church family, a church home, uh, and, and some place where you can blend in, be comfortable, not be challenged, and not to have your toes stepped on a little bit, you've probably come to the wrong place. Because our goal here is to grow in Christ. And how many of us know that, that growing in Christ is like growing in strength? You don't get there by sitting on the couch. Amen? Which is scary because I did a lot of that over my vacation. In November of 2012, the Lord stirred my heart with vision for this year, and, and uh, my attention was drawn to 2 Chronicles 7.14. You say, Pastor, why? We know this verse. We can quote it all, and so on and so forth. And if you, if you can quote it, good for you. That means this series is going to stick with you really, really good. 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Very simple formula, isn't it? Very simple formula that God spoke to Solomon concerning the temple, the place of relationship between mankind and God the Father, a promise of the Father to Israel that rings true for us today. So I believe we as Christians are constantly standing on a precipice of greatness, constantly thinking, wow, I, I look out far and wide and see what God's doing in other places. We hear, we hear stories of, of how, how people do great things for the kingdom. We hear how there's been healings and there's been moves of God and, and, and this church is doing that and that church is doing this and, and this person's doing this and this person's doing that. And it's easy for us to look out and say, whoa, wouldn't that be awesome? My question is, is what's holding us back? Is it God? I mean, you know, most of us look, we want the good stuff that we see in the Bible. What is it that's holding us back from the things that happen in the book of Acts? What is it? Is it God? Well, God's just holding, God's this and God, listen, what it is, folks, is the fact that his people, God's expecting something from us. There's a big if. <laughs> see the big if? There's a great big if at the very start of that passage that says, if my people who are called will do something. To sit here and to look ahead and see what others are doing and, and even look back and, and to remember we, so we can't get to where we think we should be spiritually. So we sit back and we go, wow, you know, I remember this day so many years ago. That was special. That was powerful. And I don't want to take away from that. That's good to look back and reminisce and thank God for what God has done. But what is God doing? What is He going to do in our lives? Where is He going to take us this year? For us to only reminisce and not think, wow, God, where is it you're going to take me this year? Is to say, wow, 2012 was the best year of my life. I want to live it again. How many of you want to live 2012 again? you got fiscal cliffs and violence and... Peyton Manning went out to Denver and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Horrible year. Just kidding. We got lucky and got luck. And I was... So why is it? What's holding us back? Why is it, my friend, that, that we get to a place of stagnation and say, I just, I just can't. I just stagnant. I just I have nothing. I feel nothing. Is it really God that's taking His Spirit away from us? Is it God that's removing Himself from us all the time? Now, I've, I've taught and preached, and this is true. God will stay ahead of us, and He'll draw so that we'll pursue. Amen? And He's always per having us uh, be drawn to Him. But, but here's what it boils down to. If my people who are called by my name will. 
if my people who are called by my name will. Do you know that God's willing to give you all that He's promised? But there are some things that God wants to do in our lives that's contingent upon whether or not you and I get involved. I just talked about it following worship a little bit. You want peace? You want God to give you peace? Get to know Him. You'll have peace. But He's not going to force His peace upon you. You've got to get to know Him. There's times that His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy are contingent upon our action. And the reason is, is because we have this thing called free will. Our free will leaves us with a bunch of if-then promises where God says, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you don't do this, then I'll do this. You know, this, this free will thing that we have, is this freedom that's a blessing to us is also one of those things where if we're not careful, we miss out on a lot of great opportunities that God has brought us to, and the result is it, it puts us in some rough places. I'll give you an example. Cain, if you do what is right in Genesis 4-7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So Cain, knowing the laws and the expectations of relationship, knowing the sacrifice, what it should be, brought what he wanted instead of what was right. And God said, if you will do what is right, will you not be accepted? So Cain was left with a big if, and in his free will, he chose his selfish path to show God that he knew how to do it his own way, and the result was is that sin was crouching at his door, and that sin mastered him. How many times in our lives do we get up and put our feet on the floor and forget that we have an if that we have to answer every morning? Who will you serve today? If I serve God, then I will do this. If I don't serve God, then I will do that. Where is my obedience resting in 2013? Am I going to just float from day to day and never really think about what God's called me to do? Or am I going to allow my free will to come underneath His will and allow myself to obey who He is? You see, God told Israel in Deuteronomy 7.12, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep His covenant of love with you as He swore to your forefathers. Again, Israel as a nation had an if-then promise. Again, telling them, If you will allow your free will to come under my will and serve me willfully, then you will have the blessings of all the things that are in this law. Nehemiah reminded God of this even when God brought him back into Israel. We see this all through the Scriptures. We see it over and over and over and over again but we have to do this much what am I going to do different today that's going to allow me to in inherit and attain the things that God wants me to attain it's the if in my life who am I going to serve oh we're going to tear this apart you say what are you talking about okay all the great people in the Bible all the heroes of the word of God that we look at and we admire they all had if moments they all had if moments. Every single one of them. Moses had an if moment. What if he had chosen the luxuries and the comfort of, of Egypt instead of being identified with his people Israel? What if? He would not have been the man God called him to be. He would not have joined in and with God's will for his life. Israel would have had to have been delivered by somebody else. They would have been delivered, not that it had to be Moses. They would have been delivered because God promised they would be delivered. Amen? But Moses would have missed out on that opportunity. How many opportunities are we missing out on because we're not willing to uh, put off the comfort of this life and go ahead and be identified with Christ? If. 
You know, there's a, there's a lot of blessings that are contingent upon that decision. Amen. What about David? What about little David? He's standing there. And what if he would have not decided to go down to the stream and pick up five smooth stones and, and go face a giant? What if he would have made an excuse and said, I'm just a little guy. Why, why would I do this? There's a, an army here. I'm not big enough or good enough or strong enough. Everybody's brought to an if decision. What about Rahab? What if Rahab would have said, no, I'm not going to hide the spies. I'm going to turn you in. She would not have been listed among those that were delivered and a part of Israel up to the day of, of them taking over uh, their inheritance. What about Elisha? What if Elisha would have said, no, I think I'm going to continue to plow when Elijah come and threw his cloak over him and said, come follow me. You see, the disciples in their boats, what if they would have said, no, 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 I'm, I like fishing, that's my thing, I understand fishing. Fishing for fish. Fishing for men, you're weird. I've never filleted a man in my life. I don't know how to start. That's weird. I think I'm going to keep fishing for fish. Ice fishing, preferably. No, I'm just kidding. So they're saying, what am I going to do? No, they followed and they obeyed. My friend, you and I are no different. We can have all the prophecies in the world. We can have people speak great things over our lives. We can have people tell us all the stuff that God intends and wants to do with us as individuals and with our church. But if we never, ever consider the if and obey God, if we never look at the reality of if me, myself, and I will. Me, who's called by God, who's known by God, will. What is the will in my life? What is it that I should be doing? I guess that's what I need to be seeking for this year and finding out what it is that God wants from me. So what do I need to do? Well, we see this as we continue in the verse, humble themselves or humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways. We see three things here, three requirements of God for us to hear what it is that we have a choice, that we have a free will in, whether or not we will take part in this. God's not going to force these things, excuse me, he's not going to force these things on us, but, but number one is humility. Humility is a requirement. If you want to be used of God in 2013, it's going to require you doing something. And the first step of that something is humility, humbling yourself before God. Matthew 21 says this. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in verse 43. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. In other words, somebody who's going to do something. How many of us know you can wish to lose weight all you want to, but if you sit on the couch and eat cheeseburgers all day, it ain't going to change nothing. I'm living proof of that. <laughs> Give me some cheeseburger. And I, I saw where somebody's going to purchase the hostess and keep making Twinkies. Can I get an amen on that one too? How about that? But anyway, these people weren't doing nothing. They were sitting around on their big religious backsides, putting everybody else down and keeping them in their place. Have you ever known one of these before? Everybody that's got a judgmental attitude toward anybody that's trying to rise up and do something for Jesus. He who falls on this stone, Jesus says, will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. In other words, that's Jesus telling him, say, look, if you come and follow on me and beg for mercy and forgiveness, I will break you. In other words, you'll be broken and humble, but if you come and you wait too long and I fall on you, I'm going to crush you pieces. That's, Jesus didn't have that kind of slang, but that's that type of thing. That's what he's saying. 
Humble yourself. The answer to humility is that I will meet your need, but the answer to pride is, is you're going to be destroyed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. These men had no idea, had no plan, nothing whatsoever to change their pride. You say, what is pride? Pride is the individual that is very secure in their religious state, and they refuse all warnings, all direction, all instruction that would ever come from a pulpit, a preacher, a teacher, or anybody that loves them, and say, you know what, I don't want to hear it, get out of my face, you're ridiculous. That would be a person that's consumed with pride. I'm really excited because for the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about humility and pride. Aren't you excited about that? I am so, like, so, 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 so excited about it. I can't even wait to talk about pride for weeks. But anyway, we're going to talk about humility and pride. Why? It's important, folks. Why? Because we know this much that Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. You ever known that you were right before you thought you were right and found out you were wrong? That's a bad situation, especially when you bragged about it. And everybody says, you were wrong. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Humility is a choice, not a feeling. Hear me when I say this. Humility is a choice and not a feeling. We need to remember that our drawing near to Christ is contingent upon our willingness to knowingly humble ourselves before Him. Lord, I realize I don't know it all. God, I realize I don't know everything. You know on Wednesday nights when we have Bible study and it's open for, for conversation and people discussing things, do you know that as a pastor, you have to stand there and say, I realize I don't know everything. And it's okay sometimes to say, you know what, I was wrong. This last Wednesday I told him, I said, I, I did something that I felt like I was wrong in. And we talked about it. Do you know that that's hard to do sometimes? It's hard to do in the workplace when you've worked there and you've been there longer than the little rookie and then the rookie's there doing some stuff and, and they prove themselves right. I've been there. It's hard. But we shouldn't have an attitude of pride. There comes a time where we have to realize and knowingly humble ourselves and say, I choose to follow Christ. I know that I don't know everything. I must rely upon Him and to choose His agenda instead of our agenda. The second thing is, is that we must pursue Christ. We must pursue Christ. We have to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face. You say, Pastor, I know this stuff. This is very simple. Then why aren't we doing it? Then why don't we do it more often? Why aren't we more mindful of it? Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And this, again, is a reference to, to Israel going into bondage. And he says, listen, you're going, there's going to come a time you're going to come out of this and you're going to seek me. And, and I'm going to hear you. I'm not abandoning you to nothing. But this promise is true for us today. It doesn't matter how deep you've been in the world. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter how awful you've been, horrible you've been in your past. God wants to hear your prayer of humility and repentance and truly seeking his face. He wants to hear it. And he will hear it. And he will respond to it. Again, finding Him is contingent upon our seeking Him. In order to find something, you've got to look for it, correct? I used this example in the first service. I hope my daughter don't... Is it okay? You don't care? Okay, good. I was going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> when you're a pastor's kid, the only example the dad has is his kids and his wife, and, and she'll hit you, so we use the kids more than the wife. <laughs> but <laughs> if you ever want something found... One of my two children is the worst one to send to look for it. And it's the female. 
of the two, okay? I won't mention her name, Alyssa. She's over here. If she doesn't want to, you can't force somebody to find something they don't want to find. And sometimes, even when they want to find it, they're so horrible looking for it, they can't find it. If, if it's in the middle of the room and you say, okay, it's on the end of your bed, go grab it off of the end of the bed away from the window, that box, bring it to me, she might have a chance. But if it's underneath something or in a closet in a drawer, you can forget it because that means you have to open the drawer to look for it. Or you have to pick something up to look for it. You can't force her to go find something any more than I can force April to go in the basement and find a mouse for me. She doesn't want to find it. <laughs> you see what I mean? You can't bring somebody to church and force them to seek Christ. You either want to find Him or you don't want to find Him. Now granted, coming to church is a good place to come and look for Him. Especially this one. I hear they got a great preacher. I'm just kidding. I'm preaching on pride next week. I'll deal with that next week. <laughs> we got a great worship team. Come here. Jesus is here. You know, you can do that. But listen, there's people all over, all over the United States today that are coming to church and not seeking Christ. If you want to seek Him, if you truly seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. You will find Him. He's not, he's not hiding under something impossible for you to get to. He's not a mean dad. He hides to be found. Just like the dad that doesn't want to get off the couch and the kid wants to play hide and seek and all they do is cover their head up with a blanket. It's not impossible to find him, okay? You can find God. You can find him. He's hidden himself in the Word very easily. All you have to do is turn a page. There's more. Oh, there he is again. There's more. There's more. But we, we have this tendency to think that we can force people and that coming here is good enough. But listen, folks, it isn't. We must seek him and look for him. We must look for him. Thirdly, the third requirement is, is repentance. Turn from their wicked ways. Luke 5 says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, when God says to turn from your wicked ways, it's because there's ways of wickedness in your life. You really have a problem. Welcome to First Assembly of God. You got issues. That's why you're here. We're happy you're here because we know the doctor. His name is Jesus Christ. But see, people often, a lot of times, you ever met one of those people that they, they know more than the doctor knows? Some of our seniors already know where I'm going because they feel that way. I've been through this 400 times. That young doctor, he's just fresh out of college. He don't know what he's talking about. I've said it before too. We love it. We have all these conversations and it's a lot of fun. The truth of the matter is, you ever met somebody that really thinks they know more than the doctor does? And they try to prove the doctor? I ain't going, I don't need no go no doctor. I already know. And the truth of the matter is, is what happens is, and then there's a sickness and illness they got to deal with they should have been listening to the doctor about. So many times people are the same way. They say, you know what? I don't need that. I don't need to listen to the Bible. I don't need to listen to the preacher. I don't need to listen. I'm a good person. I come in and out of the doors and, and live my life however I want to live it. Listen, folks, there is sin in our lives that we need to consistently and regularly repent of. 
Do you know that when you make a decision to follow Christ, you make a decision to follow Him? That doesn't mean you come and have an emotional moment at an altar and weep tears and get up and leave and continue to live the way you are. There's a reason why the Spirit drew you, drew you to an altar to weep bitter tears and cry and recognize that you've got sin in your life. And to, to get rid of that sin, the Spirit cleanses us, but He does it on a regular basis too in our lives, bringing to recognition things that not only we have done, but the things we're doing now. And go, whoa, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. It's called repentance. It's called a life of repentance. A lot of people say, come to the altars and repent. You come to the altars and say, Lord, I'm really sorry for all the stuff I did. Amen. Get up and leave and keep doing the stuff. That's not repentance. Is it? You can't have the other two without repentance. Hear, hear what I'm saying to you this morning. You cannot have humility without repentance. You can't. And you cannot seek Christ without repentance or an attitude of repentance. It's impossible. You say, why? Because if you have humility without repentance and you seek Christ without repentance, what these are is a false humility and ritualistic mindless religion. I'll say it again. If you are going to have humility without an attitude of repentance, in other words, saying, I'm going to humble myself before God, but I'm not going to obey what He says, that is a false humility. If you are going to uh, if you're going to have some form of seeking Him then, and, and not repent once you've found Him, once you've found out what He said and not obey it, then what that is is a false religion. That's rituals. That's mindless. That's not Christian. That's not relationship. That's not the relationship we talked about earlier. It's kind of like me going to my wife and saying, you know what, baby, I love you. Let's get married. And we get married, and then afterwards I don't ever talk to her again. It's not marriage. When we follow Christ, we are in covenant with Him and we obey Him and walk with Him. Amen? We are His bride. So, so if we're going to do this, if we're going to serve Him in 2013, we've got to have those three things. We've got to have humility, we've got to seek Him, and we've got to have obedience and repentance in whatever it is that He speaks to us about. Because why? Because we're sickos. In light of Christ... And how he sees us, we are a sick people that need a doctor. And he's got the answers. Amen. You ready for some good stuff here for about five minutes? Okay. The scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Then. So we have the big if. Will I do something? We find out what we need to do. We do it. And God says, then I will hear. Now I will hear. Now I will hear your cry for help. Now I will hear your plea. Now I will intervene. I will heal. I will forgive your sins. And I will heal your land. How many of us here in this place have got some land that needs to be healed in our lives? How many have got some sin that needs to be dealt with in our lives? We probably do. I hope and pray that this year the sin is less than it was last year for all of us. We should be growing in grace, folks. Amen? We should be. But there are families that have been wounded. The land of our, our homes has been hurt and wounded. There's needs. And Christ wants to heal that. The answer may not always look like what you think it should look like. The answer may not come out exactly like what you think it should be. But it will come. Bless God. You say, how do you know, Pastor? Well, let's back up a little bit in Second Chronicles 7. Go back to verse 11. Get a little bigger picture about what's being said here. 
It says, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifice. You say, what are you talking about? He's, he's responding to a prayer that Solomon had made at the temple. And the temple prayer was, and I'm going to read a small part of it. Travis, if you jump forward to it and then jump back with me. 2 Chronicles 6. Here's a small part. Some of you think, well, gee, Pastor, you pray a really long time. I wish you didn't pray so long. Solomon prayed a really long time. Go back and read the whole thing. But anyway, and you know what happened? The presence of God came. Maybe we need to pray longer. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, 2 Chronicles 6, verse 40. Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. In what place? This is the consecration of the temple. This is the preparation of the temple. Let your eyes be attentive to this place. Now arise, O Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. And may your, pres- your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. This is the prayer that God said, I've heard your prayer. What an awesome church service that was. Fire from heaven consuming the altar. (laughs) Nobody was cold anymore. And I'm sure others were complaining that it was too hot. But anyway. (laughs) Powerful service. Fire from heaven. The filling of the temple with the presence of God. So much so that the, the priests couldn't even go in and do their work. It was too thick. And we look at that and we go, wow, how awesome is that? See, folks, this is the place of relationship. God says, I've established this place for relationship. This is where you come and give sacrifice. This is where your your sin is going to be covered. This is where you come and meet with me. This is who I am. Come and follow the rituals and all the things that I've set up. All the stuff that pointed to Christ. Come and do these things. As we look back in 2 Chronicles verse 13, God said he had heard the prayer, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. And you say, Pastor, okay, that was the temple. Listen, the temple is just a symbol of who we are today. It's just a symbol. Christ went to the cross. The temple curtain was torn. The Spirit went out to dwell with men. And when you and I become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is inside of us. And now suddenly that moment has taken place. There's a burnt offering. It's been burnt up inside of us. The presence of God is there in the place of relationship is restored. And God looks into our lives and He says, My eyes see you and my ears hear your prayers. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Doesn't matter if it's a locust. It doesn't even matter if it's your own sin. 
if you will repent, I hear you. I hear you. Say, Pastor, I really want to draw near to Christ this year. I really want to know Him better. If. What's the answer, Pastor Bob? If. If my people who are called by my name will. If they will. Your free will. If you will come under God's will. If you will come under God's will. And you will humble yourself before Him. And recognize that you don't have it all together. And that you have sin in your life. And you can't figure this thing all out on your own. That you have needs outside of your own self. This isn't a self-help message, folks. This is help me please message. You can't do it on your own. You're not good enough on your own. I know there's a lot of people that want to say, Oh, I just love you. You're just so wonderful. You and all your little packages of sin. Listen, we're all sinful. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But because of Christ, I am made righteous. Not because I am righteous. Why? Because I've humbled myself and said, I am not righteous, but I will receive the righteousness you give me. If you want to justify me, Lord, I will obey you and serve you. And we seek his face and pray. You know, you can't enter into a relationship with somebody unless you know them first. But God, he says, you know what? I'll enter in a relationship with you. Get to know me. <laughs> you may not even have it figured out yet, but I'm going to make sure you get to know me. Just come. Just come. Seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. If we will humble ourselves and we realize there's sin in our lives and we turn from that and obey Him and obey His Word, I don't care how hard it is, I don't care how difficult it is, it may be a long period of, of time and, and little steps are going to be taken. You're not going to be perfect at first, but you're going to allow Christ to teach you and lead you and guide you through obedience to His Word. It's going to be hard at times. And other times it's going to be easy. But the result of it is, is the promise. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. doesn't say I might. doesn't say I hope you feel like I have. It doesn't say tonight when you go home and, and you're alone and you feel like this was all a joke that I didn't. It says I will. I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Heal their land. What land is he talking about? In Israel, the land was ate up with war, and famines, giants, hardship, trouble, strife. And God said, I will heal that. How many of us need some strife and trouble and war and famines and giants in our lives to be healed? He hears your prayer. And he says, I will. Now, Pastor, what a wonderful thing to know that he will. He will. It may not always look like you want it to look. It may not always smell like you want it to smell. It may not be what you think it should be. I have seen godly people pray for healing and be healed by the grave. Bless Jesus. I have seen other people pray for healing and be healed physically. I've seen people pray for their marriages and it not work. I've seen all of it, folks. But I can tell you this much. 
But God hears and He answers. And that's where our faith comes in. And we obey Him and we know what He said. You stand with me please this morning. This morning... We're going to start our first Sunday of the year around these altars. I want to know this morning, do you need to know Jesus Christ? Have you humbled yourself before Him? If not, now's the time, now's the opportunity. It's, it's not popular. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you feel like people are looking at you, but listen, the majority of the people in this room have all done exactly what I'm asking you to do. I, I've... I've run to altars before, weeping, bitter tears. But you've got to throw off what everybody else thinks. If you're worried about what everybody else thinks, you're going to keep worrying about what everybody else thinks and it's going to hold you back. Your if moments will be stolen because you'll be worried about what everybody else thinks. Can I get an amen from all the people that know what I'm talking about? This morning, I just want to encourage you. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I need to humble myself before God. Whether it's a first-time conversion in your life, you say, Lord, I need to know Jesus Christ. I've never surrendered my life to Him. Or it's somebody that says, you know, I just need to recommit myself to a deeper walk with Christ this morning. Anybody today just say, Pastor, that's me. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you for being bold and honest today. Anybody else? Pastor, I just need to get back to my depth in my relationship with Christ. I see that hand. Our kids are very responsive. Praise God for kids that are responsive. Young Not young kids, teenagers, young ladies, young men, responsive to the gospel. Appreciate that. You know what? God sees that in. God knows it. And he hears your prayer. Even now, even before David asked for forgiveness, God had forgiven him. Even before your hand went up, he said, I know. Come on. I know it. Say, Pastor, 2012 was a rough year. I need some healing in my land. Roger and Linda, put your hand up. Jim, amen. Anybody, put your hands up. Is that you? Say, I need some healing in my land from some of the damage that's been done, whether it be relational, whether it's been death, whatever it's been that I've faced. Listen, I want you to know this before your hand even went up or before I called you out. God heard your prayer. God knew. He said, my eyes are attentive and my ears are attentive to this temple of relationship that I've established with you. He says, I've heard it, and I will heal. I will. Those of you who raise your hands or anybody that wants to just come and seek the Lord, just come up and join me today. Let's seek Him together. If you raised your hand, I want to pray with you specially, and so I may come around and grab you and catch you at some point, but just come up here and seek the Lord with us this morning. Will you do that with me? Will you open up the year humbling yourself, seeking the Lord, repenting, As Amber leads us in some worship. Go ahead and lead us, huh?